Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. I was real grateful to uh, meet our guest, Melissa, out there in Cleveland at the conference. And to begin, like, the words were just flowing on the page of what are the next steps and to be able to be a part of someone else's journey, similar to mine, in helping people with trauma, still trying to take care of their own fitness journey, and then trying to step out and carve their way into the sports psychology field. So it is. It's a little past my bedtime, but I'm I'm here and bringing the energy. I'm ready to go. Amazing. <laughs> so you and Richard met in Cleveland at this conference and That's uh, right. I did kind of like a laundry list of all of these things that you encompass and you do, Melissa. So uh, tell us a little bit. Let's start with, you know, you're at the the uh, village. What is that? What's Just tell us about that before we get into you and the other things. Sure. Um, I first have to start off in saying I wish I knew you were wearing your Cleveland hat because Richard and I went to Progressive Fields, saw the Indians playing, got some, some twin matching hats. So I'm feeling a little left well, out. I did, I did promise um, you a special surprise because yeah. you know, it's 11 and I know you want to get the workout energy. Yes, the so. headband. I asked for the headband. <laughs> the <neon. laughs> oh, <Get going>. nice. <laughs> yeah, so the Villager Families and Children, it's um, a nonprofit organization, and the mission really is to, you know, change children's lives, mainly in Hartford, um, but they expand out um, into other areas as well. So we have several programs, everything from foster care, outpatient, um, subacute, which is where kids actually live there. Um, so it's kind of a, a residential type setting. Um, several other programs that are funded um, by DCF that kind of help support children and families in crisis. So the program that I'm the director of there is the Extended Day Treatment Program. Um, it's a six month group therapy based after school program and it serves children ages five to 14. Um, we are located in four locations with Hartford obviously being our biggest. 
Um, so it is very much, you know, an inner city population. Um, the kids come, they have to have a mental health diagnosis and many of them are referred from individual outpatient, from hospitals, from schools, uh, where individual therapy alone just isn't enough. So many of the kids that we see are coming in with pretty complex trauma, uh, anything from mood disorders, you know, ADHD, the, the whole nine yards, um, we see it. So the cool part about our program though, that most intensive programs aren't offering is the ability to take the kids out into the community. So we use a lot of experiential learning with the children. So you're teaching coping skills, uh, you're, you're having these conversations about how to understand feelings and what that looks like in behaviors, but then being able to actually practice out in the community, engaging various activities that these kiddos often don't get the opportunity to participate in. Um, so it's a really neat program, quite a bit. Some days feel like the vacation, you know, the kids are great, you're, you're having a great time in the day, and then um, other days you don't know what you're going to get. You're kind of feeling like you're in ER and might be chasing a child down the street might be a kiddo who's just feeling actively suicidal. Um, you just, you don't know what you're gonna get, but um, it's worth the rewards at the end when you can build those relationships and feel like you're making a difference. That's amazing. I mean, you must be making a difference for lots of kids out there. We're trying our best. Do they let you bring in any form of play or anything creative that you've found works the best? Ah, uh, you must knew it was on my head right there. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is my main... Um, I saw something about a minor league baseball game in there, too. Which yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so getting away from kind of that that peer-reviewed, you know, theory of, of psychology, um, play is probably one of the strongest avenues in how we really touch kids' lives. Um, so I have to shout out kind of uh, Emily Saul right now and Life is Good Playmakers out in Boston, but... It is a big part of our program. So it is a uh, play therapy based group that incorporates kind of warm ups, big active games, and then cool down activities. Um, and really we create a culture out of that that's playful with our staff, our families, and our children. So we're bringing that play into our staff meetings, we're bringing it into our you know, multifamily groups, um, into our family sessions. So that translates into kids. So many of the kids that we work with that, like I had mentioned before, that experience trauma, don't have opportunities to play, don't have safe spaces. Um, anyone who's kind of learned the research behind it, we, you know, we build those uh, neural connections in our brain from play and experience. When we don't have that experience, we're not learning and we're not expanding. Um, so plays a, a huge part in kind of building uh, self-regulation skills, connectedness, joy, um, and the ability to, to just be able to be a kid. Many of them, like I said, are, are constantly in that fight or flight mode and they don't have opportunities to just kind of laugh and just be a kid that, you know, some of us have maybe, you know, have the luxury of kind of just having that play my entire childhood and have a supportive family. And um, some of these kids don't. So we provide a lot of those opportunities to kind of help them be able to just be a child and, and remember, um, you know, where they can be in a place that they can just feel safe and connect. We've been talking about children. We're going to get a little bit more into youth sports. We actually have a whole lineup of things we want to talk about, and time goes by. So I should just get to it instead of talking about what I'm going to get to. But <laughs> a little bit about your background, because, you know, I, I've been reading some interesting things about you. And the fact that, like, you know, you've been playing sports since you were five, and you said that you, you lived in a very critical environment with high expectations. So 
kind of talk about that a little bit because it's kind of like, first of all, you've been involved in sports since five. Later, we're going to share some great fitness photos of, of how active you are. But your background is what made you who you are now. And if, I would love if you would share with our audience a little bit about your childhood and growing up with sports and those expectations and how it made you the woman you are today. Sure, absolutely. Um, it's an area that I feel extremely passionate about. So obviously, I, I love working with children, but that's a big part of bringing play in sports kind of into the work that I do because of how much it impacted my own life and just my experience with it. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the the excitement, you know, everything about it has really shaped kind of who I am today. So yes, I did have an interesting kind of critical environment of high expectations that were put on me. I very much had a supportive family though, who was all about, they wanted the best for me. So they didn't necessarily have um, the opportunities that I have had and they wanted the best for me. And I know that there's been a lot of, a little bit of sidetrack back here with with my past history, my family, but there is a lot of anxiety and depression that kind of exists in the family. Um, given kind of the expectations and this need to kind of succeed, I was an anxious kid to begin with. Um, and that kind of carried throughout my childhood and manifested in many different ways. Um, and it wasn't really until my teenage years of high school that I really felt it and recognized it. And then it shifted into a different way in college. So I was at the point when I was little, I started soccer at five, I played t-ball, I played basketball, I ran track, and that was kind of my outlet. I had a year where, third grade, where I spent most of my time in the nurse's office because I'd gotten so nervous that I just would make myself sick. And it was tough. It was tough on my parents. It was kind of tough on me. I, I think I thought it was the norm. That's what I knew as a kid. I was just anxious. Um, so then as I, you know, got older, it, it got better. Um, but then in high school, I kind of shifted and I became kind of more irritable and I was more into the social thing and, you know, got into some things that, you know, I look back on now and I, I probably wouldn't have made those choices. Um, but it was where I was at. I had a lot of athletic talent. I realized my passion for soccer really came out and I did have a goal of wanting to play in college. And honestly, that goal of knowing that I wanted to play in college and I'd have one shot only is really kind of what kept me down uh, straight and narrow. I think I could have easily had uh, drifted away. So given that that was, you know, where I wanted to go, I was working towards that. However, I was pretty much a procrastinator. I was into the social time. So even though I got good grades. I participated in a multi-sport athlete. I just wanted to socialize and I waited till the last minute to do everything. And that included college. So I ended up going to a school that I, I didn't want to go. It, you know, it wasn't cool to be kind of in state, but um, that was one of those consequences of having to learn. And I, I have to say freshman year, I went in, I struggled a little bit first semester. I think um, family was a little, little worried that I was not going to make use of college um, in the right ways. And I went and actually did a complete uh, 180. So my anxiety shifted, but more into a perfectionist role. So I went from being a procrastinator to needing to be have straight A's. I went from studying all the time to being in the weight room all the time to running constantly. I battled a bit of an injury my sophomore year, but was able to make you know all conference as a sophomore in college as a defender. Um, and really had a great coach and a great support team. And once I found that passion and knew where I wanted to go with it, it really changed kind of who I was and shifted my life from college and then moving forward to even where I am now. 
It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Wow, that's amazing. I'm wondering, Dr. Richard, you know, we spend a lot of time, we really want to inform our audience, motivate, inspire them. Melissa, your story is certainly inspiring, but this kind of reminds me of something that you brought up, and Melissa's journey speaks right into this, is can you talk a little bit about the transforming motivation from inner or outer critic to blue? You kind of mentioned that to me, and I'm unsure what it means, but you, with your psychology degree and your doctorate and your somatic experiencing, share with us. What does that mean? Well, yeah. I mean, this journey you're talking about of like there's anxiety. And, and our last guest, Chris Stretch, talked about at that age of being a high-performing athlete. And there's nobody even really um, talking to you about the emotions behind it. I'm, I'm curious uh, your your experience with that. But he, you know, he was talking about all people know is well, you're either performing and you're not performing, and how confusing that is as a teen. But yeah, how do you shift? I mean, I I admire what it takes to be, in my experience, to be a lockdown defender. I mean, three time all conference, you know, uh, and the amount of effort. And was that did that become something that was like part of your regimen of I have to work hard every single instance? And did that shift at some point to something that gave you a sense of joy and pride? Was there a shift into enjoying playing um, where it was a relief from pressure? Uh, or was it just more of an extension of that anxiety? And, and how did you separate that? Yeah, actually, I, I would say a little a little bit of both, but really the shift came in realizing that I was kind of living the dream. So that, you know, that internal motivation, that drive of this was my goal. And that was kind of my aha moment of recognizing it, it didn't matter what anyone else thought. I was I was able to create this for myself. And that was the that was the big piece and the the real drive that I have the ability. I believed in myself and I didn't want to waste the next four years of of just, you know, trying to manage and, and figure out and dwelling and the negative thoughts. It was kind of like, nope, this is it. And it's going to be a turnaround. Was there um, a moment or a situation or, or was it the interaction with the positive coach that triggered that realization? Yeah, a little bit. So a little bit of both. So I had a, um, I was in a, a negative relationship at the time. Um, it wasn't healthy for me that kind of carried from high school to college. 
Um, and I think that brought me down a little bit. I was, um, I was stuck in that. And also I think the realization, um, I had a great coach, uh, coach Chris Ambrosio. And to this day, he'll still, uh, if anything, if I needed anything, I could give him a call and just kind of check in on, on how things are going. I recently just saw him. I went down to the alumni game and it was like, things didn't change. It was 11 years ago. Um, he was, he was great with me in the sense that were, there was that uh, balance of support because he knew I was struggling, but then also that piece of like, you know, Hey, I, I recruited you to come here. I, this is the player I saw in you. This isn't working and you need to transfer. Let's do that. But you know, there was a balance between you got to figure it out. And I, I, you know, I know you can do this. Um, so I had gotten rid of kind of the negativity and I took that upon me, that motivation. So spring season, I just, I hit the weight room. I had some awesome roommates, um, who also played soccer with me and it just made a huge impact. We went and played all the time. I was playing in the tennis courts with the guys team. It was whatever I could do to get my foot on the ball and be out there. Um, so it, it ultimately became my outlet. It was no longer the stress. It was that excitement and that adrenaline of, you know, I had worked so hard and so many years are going to get to this place and here I am and I'm going to have a blast doing it. Um, and so much of that I can speak to has really carried into who I am now um, and why I value sports so much. And, and I know we'll, we'll get talking about it, but the impacts of youth sports and how many people kind of miss the boat and coaches about what it's really all about. Um, it's, there's so much to be, you know, learned through sports and how much that kind of carries over into everyday life. Absolutely. And um, AJ would like to say, very inspiring story. Melissa, I think a lot of us out here can, uh, it strikes a chord with us. So thanks for sharing right. that. So uh, Melissa, like I said, we like to really inspire and motivate our audience and stuff. And between you and Dr. Richard, you know, what w advice would you give to, like, let's say that there is a young person out there and they don't have access to like, you know, their parents aren't motivating them or encouraging them. They don't have the coach. Like, what do you say? Like, well, and actually maybe what do you say to the parents to say to the kids? And what do you say to those kids to motivate them to kind of like find that switch that you found? It's interesting that you say that. That's kind of my everyday. So obviously I, I love to coach, but when I talk about my job at the village and the role I play there, right? So in the urban communities, it's the opposite where we bring play and sports to them because there aren't the resources for them to be able to have it. Um, so that really kind of resonates with me. A big, a big component of it is typically a lot of just belief in that child and building the relationship. So with anything, it, it always starts with the relationships. And Richard will probably laugh because every therapist, psychologist knows like we don't give advice, right? So, but really kind of coach and guide and kind of help them explore what's going on. So the work with the parents too, again, that, that starts with that relationship and their buy-in into kind of what you do and um, building that trust with them. Because once they build that trust and they feel that you know, you're authentic and you're about wanting to help their family and their, um, their child, they're very much more open to listening. Um, they wanna hear what you have to say. Um, it's, a, it's a tricky battle because many families come in with their own, their own issues, their own backgrounds from families and have their own belief systems about things. More, some families are more receptive to others. Um, but again, it's, it's not necessarily giving the advice, it's kind of suggesting um, 
making recommendations and things like that of, of having kids try different things, asking them what makes their children smile. Um, are there different activities that they've done together as a family and what have they noticed? So a lot of times it's just trying different things or playing in the park or taking a ball and just having some fun. Um, with children, I usually try and figure out what they like. So we'll engage in various activities together as we were talking and having a conversation. Um, and it's figuring out kind of where their passion lies and what they're interested in. Um, again, you can't motivate someone from the outside. And, and I do have to say, um, you know, Dr. Lisek talked about this book, Why We Do What We Do, and I immediately went and read it and it resonated with me big time. So we live in a society where we're all on consequences and rewards, and that's how our school system works, and that's how our programs operate. Um, and we think that these ex extrinsic rewards are what motivates people, um, yet it, it motivates for a short period of time, but you're motivating for the reward. It's not rewarding for the actual activity. Um, and that's where we're, we're, missing, we're missing the bigger picture there um, and helping our children. So parents who, you know, want to bring in their beliefs or, you know, I'll give you 25 bucks if you score a goal, you know, great, there's a motivation to get the money that doesn't change a child's passion about the game. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic. Some studies yeah, on, yeah, yeah when absolutely. you start putting in external rewards and you're doing it for that, you start to go, gee, what did I, what, you question that love that you felt. We have just a little over five minutes left to the show. Um, Dr. Richard, and Melissa, in these last few minutes that we have you here, Melissa, first of all, Dr. Richard, I'd like you to just, you know, ask something to Melissa, and then Melissa will have you wrap up with a message you'd like to leave our audience with. But I know you have a million things you'd like to discuss with Melissa, but what do you got, Dr. Well, Richard? Well, I just want to highlight, you know, it's like the, 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 when I hear, when you ask the question, how do you build this relation? How do you help someone? And Melissa earlier talked about safe spaces. And then I already hear the parent, you know, when you're in a dangerous or, or more traumatic environment. And she didn't say I come in as the expert. She didn't say I come in and advise them, right? You know, all about Very this important, yes. interpersonal neurobiology, developing trust, right? So maybe maybe that's where we can kind of leave off, you know, and, and, and so you got to have the trust before you can create the play because the family has to trust you to drop their defenses as well. So I guess, you know, maybe some tip on, on how do you create that space when there isn't, you know, the environments that, that, that we have, when there isn't actual physical safe parks or whatever. How do you create that environment even in the smallest way and with children have sometimes been through the harshest of circumstances? Yeah, I think um, the most important thing is to be consistent and set expectations and be an active listener. Get to know them and really listen and be there for them. Um, a, big, a big issue a lot of times, especially with children with trauma or who haven't been exposed to some of the joys and things that we have been is that they haven't had structure, that their life is so unpredictable. So the first way we create that space is by providing that structure, by providing the consistency um, and being there for them, no matter what the situation. Um, there's no pressure. It's, you know, if they're not ready to participate, if they're struggling, okay, well, can you participate by observation? What would help you feel safe? Um, connecting them to other kids that we feel um, they would bond together. Um, being able to give them leadership opportunities. We constantly acknowledge, um, you know, myself and the, the clinical team are constantly looking at um, how do we how do we praise and work with the strengths? 
Um, so it's not just about good job. It's, it's recognizing those little things that they do well and really highlighting that um, and really cherishing the joy. So we always, we always end kind of any session or anything that we're doing with talking about, you know, what were, what were the wins? Um, what went well? What were, the, what were the connections? And having children be able to, you know, identify those things as part of their teaching too and being able to recognize, you know, what they were feeling. What did it feel like to feel safe? What did it feel like to play and not think about uh, the possibility of something bad happening? Um, so again, really that consistency, the relationship and providing that, that structure for kids. And if there was one way that your coach gave you that gift at a key moment for you, how would therapist coaches out there create that space? If there was someone like you or someone going along who was struggling to find that space, to find their why, to find mm -hmm. um, that bond or that leadership, what is one way that we could learn to create that? What's one thing that that coach did for you that was creative and different that somehow shaped the whole course of the leadership and direction you've taken? You know, the, the big thing for me was just believing in me. And I think the balance. Um, I wasn't one. So obviously, I was a perfectionist. I had a very difficult time with criticism. So I had a lot of learning with myself, recognizing um, the work that you have to make mistakes in order to be a better player. Um, and my, you know, college coach really helped me see that as well um, and just kind of establish that fearless. Like you go out there, you give it your all. And, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't have sports. There wouldn't there wouldn't be an exciting life without the ups and downs right? you have to make mistakes. You have to have things that happen. Um, so I think just just that belief in me um, and knowing when to challenge. Right. It wasn't it wasn't fake. It was recognizing this is who you are. These are your talents. I believe in you, but this is what you have to do in order to get there. Um, and, so it's and Melissa, challenging uh, to give you, you know, to make sure that you're able to take your skills, you know, and apply them, not just that, that comfort and support. That's amazing that's advice. Great. And so Melissa, if the folks out there want to reach you, what's the best way to reach you? Well, we could go to the village website, www.villageforfamiliesandchildren.org. Uh, it's something like that. If you type it in, it'll be, you'll get it. Um, you can email me at mlambert at thevillage.org. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, mlambert7. So any of those ways you can easily reach me. Melissa Lambert, thank you so much for staying up so late on the East Coast. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, or Instagram, Richard Listens. Uh, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard.
Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.